Yeah, that's a fun, fun ending there. <laughs> Every time. I don't know. I can't not do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just like my, it's there forever now. I'll never do it. I'll never get it right. Welcome everybody to the R&R Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the R&R Catcast. I'm your host, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the R&R CatCast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. It is game week. Finally. Yeah. Woo. Finally, get to talk some actual football. Get to feel that feeling that you have that can only come during football season, especially the first week of football season. I'm excited. I'm stoked. Game week. I already got, I already got nervous this week. I already got nervous. <laughs> it's Monday. I know, man. It's awesome. Today was my first day back teaching. Kids are not there, but I'm just going through a whole bunch of teacher meetings. Pretty boring stuff. So doing a lot of thinking about Montana State. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, fans, for joining us uh, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Ryan and I are just uh, two fans, two alums, two dads talk about Montana State. We've made this a uh, passion project for about, well, going on our sixth season, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, about but, five uh, actual we, years, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, crazy. thanks for joining us. We always appreciate all the feedback and then just the fan interaction we get with you guys is uh, really bucket filling for both of us. All right, let's start this thing off. Gold start rush. Start year off. Gold rush against Ooh. Utah Tech. This episode, we had a chance to interview Devin Dixon. He is he's over there in St. George, Utah. He's the he's the voice of the Fan Sports Network, the morning drive from seven to nine a.m. The voice of the Trail Blazers. You did the same that's thing. A hard I word did. to say. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard that, word a, to say. I did the exact same thing when introducing him uh, in the segment. <laughs> You'll hear it. That's funny. <laughs> I think I, it was a like a slip there because I knew you did it as well. Anyways, exception to you. Um, he was fun talking, and he gave us a wealth of information about the Trailblazers coming to Bozeman on Saturday for a Gold Rush. So we'll get to listen to that. Uh, Thorny's got permission to play a little vegan excerpt from the press conference today about the DUI situation, and we'll riff on that a little bit. And then, I don't know where our conversation is going to go. We could talk about the two deep tonight. Uh, we have a couple of Golden Cooley questions, but uh, we'll see what, what happens. Yeah, I figure we'll kind of talk about what we kind of uh, expect to see at Utah Tech. I'm not sure how much we want to break down actual like matchups or anything, because I think Devin Dixon did a really good job of talking about like personnel and maybe what kind of offense Utah Tech's going to run, what you're going to see on the field. So he'll, he, he was a wealth of information, so that was a really good segment. That'll make it a little bit easier for us to talk about just kind of the, um, what we're expecting to see from the Bobcat side of things. So I think that maybe is where we go with that. Sounds good. Let's start off with what's in our golden coolies. What's in your golden coolie? 
What's in your golden coolie is brought to you by Wilbur Ellis. They are the place to go for your fertilizer farming needs in the Golden Triangle. Reach out to Shay Richter. He will help you out. Foley, I am drinking very apropos miner's gold from Lewis and Clark. I got the gold. <laughs> you know why I got the gold. I don't even need to explain. I don't even need to explain why I'm drinking this beer. It's one of my favorites. When I go back to Montana, I always grab myself, uh, you know, a 12 pack of it or six pack or whatever. There you go. Nice, man. I saw that on the shelves. I was in Great Falls last week and I actually did not bring home any Montana beer. I don't know why. It didn't even occur to me, to be honest. <laughs> Bought a six pack of prickly pear pale ale to take to a friend's house one night as we were sitting on the porch, but uh, same brewery. I you almost know, got there, right? Yeah, I almost got some of that and I did not. And I kind of regret it because that's also a very good beer. Yeah, it really is. Uh, in my Golden Cooley, I have what you brought me. I talked about last week, the Bozone Amber. Mm. Still one of my all-time favorite ambers. Like it's still, I've tried a lot of ambers. Yeah, solid, man. It's solid. super good. Super good. Better on the tap, though. Better on tap. They're kind of the OG brewery in in Bozeman. There was right. there was a couple other ones back when we were in college, but microbrewing wasn't like the the thing it is now. No, nope. like it was Not just in close. its infancy. There was a couple, mm-hmm. but and exploded like in the late two thousands or something. But that was kind of like after we we kind of missed all that. <laughs> we missed that right? in our youths in our youth. <laughs> when we would go to like uh, a bar or something in college, it was like maybe Moostrule Fat Tire. I think that was it, maybe, to be honest. <laughs> to be fair, when I was in college, I wasn't looking for a nicer microbrew, even if one was available. What's the che- cheapest beer you have on tap, sir? <laughs> Pabst? <laughs> Thank you. I will take some Pabst. It was like <laughs> Bush Light or Key Light back in Bozeman, right? Key Light, Natty Light. <laughs> Strohs. Strohs! <laughs> yes, I drank some Strohs. Old Milwaukee, <laughs> just the long list of terrible the beers. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, or, and more specifically, whatever the $3.75 pitcher was, rotating pitcher at the Molly. Oh, the Molly. Yeah, there you go. Such a good deal. <laughs> Such a good deal. Okay. Let's move on from our discussion about beer. Okay. Well, I guess uh, what we normally do is we kind of talk about the press conference, right? Yeah. We go into our stats and whatnot. There's no, no, there's no stats. There's no rankings quite yet. Yeah. All the rankings um, we've already talked about, they're all the same. So <laughs> yeah, the polls don't matter at this point. Well, did you watch the presser? That's the first question. I got about the first half of it done, and then I just, I just didn't have time to, to do the whole thing today. I had a busy, Man, that's busy day. That's classic you. It is. You I, always yeah. do like the first, like, third of it and then you're like so to did be, you finish it to my defense yes. and i love you brent vegan but his press conferences aren't exactly you know riveting <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's always wearing such a dapper suit i wonder why because every day you know he comes on and he has his uh quarter zip under armor but then he wears that tie you know he looks he looks so mm-hmm professional yep. when he gets up there got the old school got to wear the suit everywhere thing going all right i mean he didn't say anything relevatory to bobcat fans that you already don't know uh, a couple things that stood out to me 
our past games can be improved. I don't know if you heard about that, Thorny. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek because obviously it's a huge storyline going into the season. Um, you talked about the game one kind of weirdness, like how it kind of feels like a feeling out kind of game. Like last year, he said we were prepared for one of the team or one of the quarterbacks from McNeese State, and then they actually didn't play much. And so it was kind of a give and take. And mainly says we got to stay true to ourselves, but uh, it's going to be a give and take with Utah Tech, and we're going to have a feeling out kind of period. Uh, he kind of harped on that a little bit. And then he said, uh, one of the things I kind of took that gave me just a little bit of hope, he says, we hope to look differently in the back end. He's He hasn't shied away talking about the deficits Montana State had last year on defense. And that's been uh, something he's addressed multiple times through fall camp. You in the back end, like the uh, secondary? Yeah, our coverage. Yeah, there's a, do we want to save this kind of discussion for maybe a depth chart? Because there were some interesting things on the depth chart. And there's yeah. something pertaining to the secondary. So let's shelve that for a minute. Uh, do you want to play the audio now from the more serious matter that we want to? Uh, just I'll just wrap it up. He did talk about some injuries. Two guys of note, uh, Trayton Pickering. Uh, no, Trayton Pickering, he said, had a great fall. That was another note. Complete did, opposite uh, of being injured. Yeah. He's really healthy yeah. and Trayton good. Pickering, not <laughs> injured. Sorry. Psych. <laughs> um. Paul Brott's <laughs> out for two to three weeks, and Tyson Pottinger's out from one to two weeks. Oh, I did not catch the Brott news. That's a bummer. Yeah. I know. Looking for him to have a big year on the defensive line, so that kind of sucks. But now we can now we can uh, cue up the, the audio. Okay. Why don't you introduce that? Yeah, so um, this is the audio. This is the first time that Brent Vegan has addressed the situations with Taylor Housewright and sam mix with the the incident from may right it's back from may so he said he was gonna uh make a statement at the end of camp at the beginning of camp and this is the statement he made so we're gonna go ahead and play this and then maybe give uh you know a little bit of commentary on it and then we'll move on from that so here we go uh this is from grace lawrence at kbzk uh oh gosh what is it i told her i would credit her properly montana sports there we go so let me cue that up here, and we will play that for you right now. Two of our coaches, the incident involved, um, two of our coaches back from early May. Um, I want you to know we continue to deal uh, with the coaches internally um, regarding the repercussions for their actions. Okay, um, I, I do want to make it clear in supporting these men, we are not dismissing the charges. Um, we are simply showing that we believe in them and uh, want to continue to have them work within this program uh, because of who they are as people. Um, we've taken this matter very seriously. Um, and, uh, and I say that you know, on many ends. Um, and one is you know, just the, the improved um, enhanced trainings that, that we will do um, and have continued to do within, within our program. Um, the that was the end of it, the, the clip there. Was, he said a few things else at the end, didn't he? He did. Darn, I didn't realize I should have uh, checked to see that that clip had everything I needed. But uh, um, what else did he say there at the very end? Okay, Couldn't tell you. Couldn't well, tell you. that's the gist of it. I think I think it's important. It's enough to kind of say what we think about it. I don't. I mean, I'm glad he came out and made a statement. I think it needed to happen. 
we haven't really talked a whole lot about it on this podcast. We talked a little bit on the last episode. Um, my only question at this point really is what happens uh, if either one of those guys get like a conviction or whatever down the road in the middle of the season? Because I think all the court stuff is still pending. So I just don't like this hanging over the head of the program right now. But is there anything else you want to say on this? Like, uh, I don't know. This is kind of a touchy subject for us a little bit. Well, it just kind of feels like it's coming off the wake of uh, Coulter's podcast on the DUI stuff and all that stuff was bubbling. And then during that, I was actually going over to Egris because I was over there the other day. They have 48 pages yeah. dedicated to uh, this in not surprising. I just kind of poke in the bear a little bit over there. Yeah. Uh, Thorny, does it make you happy that he came out with a statement and just acknowledged it? Is that is that yeah. efficient for you? It, I mean, it's the baseline sufficient, I guess. Like, I, yeah. I, I want more. I would like a bit more transparency in exactly what is happening with those guys. Um, I'm glad he came out and addressed it. I'm glad he said they're taking it seriously. Basically, it's the old, we're handling it internally. And do you trust Vegan to do that or not? Um, I think at this point I do, but... I think he's a man of character. I think he is taking the appropriate actions that would be what he believes be most helpful to them. I guess that's all I really got to say on that. Unfortunately, it's an ongoing story. It is a narrative that will affect the yeah. Bobcats. It did not like, do enough to probably silence the story. <laughs> yeah. So the outcome of this it will be something that has repercussions. You know, if those guys get fired, this is total speculation. Uh, so we'll try to stay away from that. But that will be something that could really affect the program. Uh, could derail some momentum. I don't know. We'll 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 see what happens. Yep. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Yeah, but just the things hanging over the head. It's not, not a fun way to go into the season. That's all there really is on that. And I think at this point, um, we probably won't talk about it unless something new comes up. That's kind of how we feel about it. And I, I mean, it's going to be there. And until any action is taken or any news comes out, there's really no point in talking about it further beyond uh, right now. Yeah, no, I said that. And there's a weird inflection at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, uh, appreciate Grace Lawrence for being gracious enough to let us use that audio. And uh, let's move on to the next part of the show. Which is what? What do you want to talk about now? I don't know. Gonna, do you want to talk about the depth chart a little bit? Or do you okay. want to just uh, get into that at the end when we're talking about Utah Tech a little bit? Like who's starting the game and whatnot? Let's do this. Let's introduce the Utah Tech yeah. interview with Devin and let him just go off because he does. He uh, he just paints a picture of Utah Tech football. We amped, We asked a couple questions early on and then... Man, he just provided a font mm -hmm. of information for us. It's great. So, absolutely. All right. Well, let's play that audio from Devin Davis. Oh, gosh, Devin Davis. That is a Bobcat player. <laughs> Devin Dixon. My apologies, Devin. Uh, my apologies, Devin. All right. Here we go. All right, Bobcat fans. Well, now we welcome in Devin Dixon who is with the Fan Sports Network, host of the Morning Drive, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. over there in St. George, the flagship station for the Utah Tech Trailblazers. Wow. And he is here to tell us a little bit about Utah Tech. Devin, thanks for coming on the show. 
Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. First time I've ever been on a show with Ryan and Ryan. I'll try to keep you straight. <laughs> well, I go by Thorny. He goes by Fully. We probably should have yeah. told you that before we hit record. Um, but to kind of differentiate the two of us, because yeah, it's a little confusing for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots to be excited about. Bobcat's looking pretty good, man. This is a huge test for the Trailblazers. So let's get into it. Yeah, the Utah Tech kind of makes the rounds a little bit in the Big Sky, don't they? Yeah, they have. I mean, they, they, you know, they've they've been kind of put in a situation where when they went um, from from a junior college back in 2006 to Division Two, and then when they decided to go to, you know, Division One and FCS, you know, and they were an independent for a minute, and they had to schedule anybody anywhere they could, and, and you're still seeing remnants of that schedule, even though they're still in their final year of that provisional status, and. You know, after the next year in 2024, they'll be postseason eligible. But, you know, some of those, you know, the money game against Colorado State, that's been on the schedule for, you know, five, five years or so now. So, you know, it's 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 but yeah, I mean, Montana State, then Montana at home. It doesn't get much tougher than that when you're looking at FCS opponents and then. Um, the rest of their schedule is going to be pretty tough too with this new with this new conference. So no cupcake. But, man, I think they played seven ranked teams last year obviously um you know four win season for them so a lot of people around here felt like they made some some big improvements and people are hoping for more improvements this year but you know lo- lost some key guys the portal give it the portal take it away and as you guys probably know and that that no no team in the country is you know not losing guys anymore i mean you're getting some you hope you get more than you lose but they lost some really good players last year so they'll, but they've got another wave of guys coming in. They recruit really well. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how they stack up against the number three team in the country. It's exciting for you guys to come up to Bozeman. And I was just looking at your schedule. You guys actually get to host our rivals, Montana, the next week thereafter, which is impressive. Yeah. That must be a home and a home. You guys for can you go guys. ahead and win that game. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, right. I've been up to Washington. I've been up to Washington Grizzly Stadium. Uh, it'll be nice to get them down here for sure. Um, I think it was three nothing at halftime last year. Montana was up, and then and then they pulled away. But that was a tough game, uh, if I remember correctly. So we'll we'll see if we can help the Bobcat fans out. But I, I think Coach Peterson's got to take it one game at a time. I mean, you guys are obviously the high ranked team. Had such a great year last year. So not looking past uh, the Bobcats for week two just yet. How is Coach Peterson standing over there at Utah Tech? I was doing a little research on him. It looks like he was a quarterback over at Boston College. I mean, that doesn't really matter now. But uh, do you talk? Tech fans do do they appreciate him the way the program is going? You know, it's it's kind of been an interesting. I mean, I've I I was here in St. George in the early days when legendary coach Greg Croshaw was you know the winningest coach in you know JUCO history at one point you know, um, and and then they went to you know Scott Brumfield and Ron Hahn and then Coach Shane McClure was the head coach during the the first part of the transition from D two to D one. He's now the linebacker coach at, uh, SUU, our rivals up in Cedar city, Utah, Southern Utah university, um, coach Pete, you know, he's been here for a while now. He came in from snow college. Um, you know, president really wanted him, liked him. Um, you know, um, you know, as a former quarterback, it's interesting though, guys, like, and I've asked coach Pete about this. In fact, I had him on my show, Oh, 10 days ago or so last time we had a chat live on air. Um, I was chatting with him last Friday at a little fundraiser, but it it was, 
this question. I said, Coach, you're a former Division One quarterback. You had Matt Ryan breathing down your neck. I mean, you could play two quarterbacks, you know, this week and all season. As a quarterback, a former player, wouldn't that drive you you nuts? And he's like, no, I was actually in the two quarterback system, and I was kind of the spark plug. If we weren't doing good, I'd come in in the second quarter and try to, you know, find a spark. So he actually went through that a little bit as a player. And so, you know, us on the outside, we kind of think, well, if you don't have one good quarterback, you you know, you don't have any. You know, you're going with two guys. But he he believes they're so close, and I'm talking about number 16, Kobe Tracy, and then number seven, Boone Abbott, for fans looking for those guys on the field on, on Saturday. And I expect them both to play, and I expect him to go with the hot hand. I expect him to, you know, make a decision. He'll start one. We still don't know. I mean, as close as we are to the program flagship, uh, we still don't know which one will be the starter. Uh, two deep supposed to come out uh, sometime tomorrow. Maybe that'll give us a little bit of help, but, but I expect them both to play and then he'll ride the hot hand. I expect, you know, you know, one to get a quarter, maybe to get two or three series and then the next one to get two or three series. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Makes it a little bit tougher for the Bobcast to prepare because they don't know which quarterback they're going to get. And the guy that got most of the snaps last year, Vic Gabalas actually transferred out. So, but both, both Boone and, and Kobe played quite a bit last year. Um, you know, Kobe was kind of the guy and Boone was kind of the gadget third down guy and then got some reps late in the season. Kobe was kind of the number two last year, but I, my, my sources in camp tell me that, that Boone is, is right there and could be the number one and could start this game. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see till, you know, the two deep or maybe even till Saturday, you know, 20 minutes before kickoff. Well, don't be surprised if you see three quarterbacks on the field at the same time for the Bobcats against Utah Tech. We've been waiting for it. We'll, you'll see two. You'll absolutely see two at the same time. But we're waiting for to see three. It could possibly happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the Trailblazers defense, they're looking for some big strides this year. You know, that that defense, uh, they got the, uh, the new United Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year, Cyrus Webster, Utah kid, prepped up in the Salt Lake area. Uh, kind of came into his own last year, a lot of TFL sacks, you know, as a nose for the football. And then Will Yoda, another, another Utah kid that they didn't like get out of the state. Those are the heart and soul of this defense. But I, I know, I know those guys are going to, that defense going to have their hands full with, uh, with the Bobcats offense. No, no doubt about it. Well, speaking of, uh, kind of the preseason stuff here, um, I do have a couple questions here, uh, kind of a two part question. Number one, I see that, uh, Utah tech was picked to finish seventh in the inaugural preseason UAC poll, the United Athletic Conference. Uh, second part of that question is, what the heck is the UAC Conference? And were they was the intention to go FBS, the entire conference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll start with your second question first, if that's okay. And sure. The U, the, they, they, you know, you know, you guys get it. You've seen it. We've seen the Pac-12, what they've been through in the last month. I mean, you know, when they lost Sam Houston State out of the WAC and New Mexico State to Conference USA, they had to be proactive. I mean, the WAC was trying to bring football back. You remember the old days when you had, you know, BYU in the WAC and, and Hawaii in the WAC and all these teams. And then the yeah. WAC got raided and got left behind. And so slowly but surely, they've been trying to add as many teams as they can to have football. But that's been very difficult to do. You have 
Utah Valley doesn't have football. You have Grand Canyon University, Cal Baptist University, all in the whack, but none of them have football programs. So when you lost two of your football programs and another one left and went back to the Southland Conference, they they, they really were, were, were shorthanded in today's college football. The ASUN kind of in a similar situation. So they brought in Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, a pretty well-renowned guy that is, you know, tried to tried to help the XFL, the NFL, college football conferences. I mean, he's he's pretty pristine in his reputation. And and he came in and said, let's merge and let's rebrand it. I don't I mean there's you know, coaches love, you know, the merger, I think, because you're gonna get to play some new opponents and in the long run that, you know, you strengthen that conference, you get that automatic bid. I've heard some people that don't love the the logo or the name of the conference, but they, they had to move pretty quickly with it all. So you know, for for us, since we're so new to the WAC and we're so new to FCS football in, in general, still in that probationary period, um, I think there's, you know, mixed feelings, but more excitement than not here in St. George, Utah. So, you know, obviously, you know, having SUU join the WAC was a big, big thing. Um, you know, people in Cedar City didn't love that move from what I understand, just because they'd worked so hard and it took so long to get in the big sky conference, big sky football is good football. You guys know that firsthand. So, uh, but they, they made that move for whatever reasons. And, and so now we have rivals in the conference, you know, you know, it's a good basketball conference. It wants to become a good football conference. They just didn't have the manpower to do it. And thus the merger. So, you know, I've spun it as positive. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, Austin pays and, you know, South Alabama looks a little bit down, but Eastern Kentucky looks like the real deal, guys. There's some good teams in this conference, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And, yes, you know, picked seventh, tied with SUU, 25 points, um, but I guess they got one first place vote, so that was the uh, tiebreaker. One of, one of the coaches in the conference voted for the Trailblazers. Who do you, um, who do you think it was? Sure. Not sure who that was. I, we were guessing <laughs> that on my show, you know, when the polls came out a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, so, sometimes you wonder if you know, the head coach just turns it over to an assistant says, fill this thing out for me. I'm busy. Or, you, you know, you, who knows, yeah, right? Exactly. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they voted for themselves. I doubt that Coach Pete would do that, but you, you never know. You never know. He's confident in his guys, and they're trying to build something special here. And, they, you know, when Coach Pete came in, they gave him a long-term contract. I mean, I remember when Coach Croshaw was here in the, the junior college days. I mean, it was, you know, one-year contract after one-year contract for 23 straight years. And Coach Pete came in, and they gave him that long-term deal, and they knew it would take some time. And, you know, I don't think even Coach Pete could have imagined how hard it would be with with COVID. And, you know, it's you guys know it's so hard to keep recruits. You bring in, you find some diamonds in the rough, maybe a three-star kid to come to a Utah Tech or maybe even a four-star kid on occasion that's just a little undersized, like a Tyrell Grayson was last year, just a little missile at safety and has a really productive year. And boom, he goes off to Colorado State, you know, and boom, you get a thousand-yard rusher and Quali Conley, and I don't know if you guys watched him run the ball against USC last Saturday in week zero, but over, over 100 yards on minimal carries. They averaged like 16, 17 yards a carry for, for the Spartans, and they covered the spread against the number six team in the country. Um, you know, Joey Hobart gone. Uh, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the, the players that are gone, but son of uh, former Raider quarterback Billy Joe Hobart that played at UW years ago was in co-national camps back in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. So um, really good genes and gone Texas State with our offensive coordinator. So lost our D-line coach, lost the O.C., 
Um, so yeah, I mean, they lost their secondary coach, like new coaches everywhere and new players everywhere, but you still do have some guys coming back that have a lot of talent. Ricky Johnson's worked really hard. He'll wear number one wide receiver. Um, he was kind of the number two option behind Hobart last year. He, he's going to be, um, a guy to watch. Um, there's a transfer from Liberty. They're expecting big things about, so you lose some guys, but you know, hopefully you get some guys that can step in and and be productive. JV and Lofton, um, he'll wear number zero. He's a senior uh, transfer from Liberty out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. But, but they got some young guys too. I mean, they're, they're secondary. Scooter Jackson uh, also wears number one on defense. He's a freshman from uh, Warren High School down in Compton, and, and they're expecting him to start as a freshman up there on the road in Bozeman on Saturday. Um, they do have some some depth at the back, losing Quali Conley, brought in uh, Chris Street junior running back um they've they've brought in uh, a guy from uh back in was he west virginia i'm trying to think of what school he went i to. think it was just virginia if, if you're talking about uh the guy that just was virginia at, yeah. yep yep yeah for virginia ronnie so walker hoping, jr that's the guy that's the guy they're hoping for some some carries out of him they also got a, a true freshman that got in in the spring and his name's nigel osborne they expect him to maybe get some totes so i i would expect you know, they'll spread the ball around. They they call it, you know, a kind of a wide open offense. It's kind of a variation of the run and shoot, uh, but they'll probably be three or four different running backs to get the ball. Uh, you'll see, you know, the quarterbacks, no, no matter if it's Kobe Tracy or Boone Abbott, try to spread it around, make quick decisions, get the ball out quick. Very dependent on the quarterback making good reads in, in this uh, spread and shred offense, as they call it down here. Spread and shred. Nice. I like that. Never heard that one. <laughs> yeah, it's what they started calling it, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, Billy Ray Stutzman is the, the passing game coordinator and his brother, Craig Stutzman, was the OC last year. He was part of that staff up at Wazoo that, you know, left Wazoo because of the COVID, you know, and was looking for a place to land, landed here. His brother landed here um, and then Texas State hired him away in the offseason to be there offensive coordinator but his put his brother you know kind of got bumped up from wide receiver to the passing game coordinator so they're running a real similar offense to what they were running last year when they you know scored some points against byu scored 28 uh towards the end of the season won three of their last four games only losing up there at lavelle edwards stadium so um you know some big tight ends eric olson's a big target where's number 80 local kid um they've got you know, some reliable guys that have been in the program for a long time, like Michael Moten, Keith Davis. Keith Davis is coming off a, a an ACL of some other receivers to, to watch for, and they're going to need to have some big plays if they're going to hang with with the Bobcats up there this weekend. One of the the concerns the Bobcats last year with the defense, so I'm pretty interested to see how this uh, offense for Utah Tech comes out and kind of attacks the Bobcat defense if they can get something going in the run game and if they do like a little bit of a, you know, passing underneath and kind of stuff like that. The Cats have had a little bit of trouble tackling in space. So it'll be an interesting matchup. I think it'll be a good first test for the Bobcats to see kind of where they are after the offseason they've had. Yeah, you, you'll see some quick hitters. You'll see some bubbles. You'll see some you know stuff in the flats. But you'll also, you'll also have, you know, layered routes. So they'll look to take shots. I mean, they, they were not scared to take shots, try to go deep down the middle. Um, they use their slots a lot. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be fun. And you know how the week the week one game goes right guys. I mean, yeah, gotta limit the mistakes, gotta limit the interceptions and the fumble. You know, you can't, can't win on the road. If you turn the ball over three or four times against the number three team in the country, that's such a great run last year. So, 
Yeah, I mean, tall, tall order, tall test, but uh, they feel like they had a really good spring, uh, spring camp. Um, you know, morale is high. Expectations are, 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 are there about similar to what they would be last year, you know, where they're picked in the conference, but they want to overexceed those expectations. And, you know, the first two weeks of the season are tough, man. I mean, if, if Utah Tech can get to October two and two, I think Coach Peterson would take that. Um, just the way the schedule lays out with, with some tough games early on. They only have four home games. So, you know, they're going to have to be road, road warriors, so to speak, with seven road games this year. Sure, sure. Well, Devin, really appreciate you coming on. We got you about for 15 minutes. I think you did a great job of kind of outlining Utah Tech and naming, like checking off a lot of the questions we had for us. We appreciate that. Uh, but I do have a, one last question here that I found something kind of interesting today when I was researching Utah Tech. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the number three that uh, Cyrus Webster has been awarded? I thought that was kind of an interesting little uh, story, kind of a cool story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's something Coach Peterson started to to honor Abraham Reinhardt. And, you know, look, I mean, we we know that you you can you can die, you know, driving your kids to school or in a plane crash or you know whatever. Like life is life, right? And so, unfortunately, Abraham died. Um, you know, when he was playing football here at the university and, um, they've tried to keep his legacy and honor going and they award that to somebody that, that most resembles his, his heart, his worth ethic and all those good things, you know, to, to leave behind. And so Milwaukee, Milwaukee wore it last year and Cyrus Webster, uh, will wear it this year. So it, it is, um, you know, I know other schools have, you know, players that wear a certain number. I know your rivals, Montana, have that, have that going on up there. But this is kind of a newer one just to tribute to Abraham Reinhardt. Um, I think the first year his family was all out here and they helped award it to the to the player. And uh, I'm not sure if they did some kind of a behind the scenes special presentation or what. But, yeah, that one's kind of a cool one to keep Abe's name going and everything. So, um, you know, and with that comes leadership and with that comes some responsibility. And and with that comes, you know, the great honor of wearing that of a fallen brother. So kind of a, kind of a cool backstory there. But but certainly uh, one that I don't think Cyrus Webster or anybody in the future or in the past that's wore that three will take lightly right on Devin well uh and we really appreciate your time we look forward to having all the Utah Tech uh fans come up to Bozeman I don't know if you've ever heard about Gold Rush it is an electric atmosphere for Montana State it's probably one of our highlight games outside of the Cat Grizz and so it's a real treat to watch that game and to to be part of the crowd is something to behold so really stoked yeah. for you guys to come up um Thanks for your time. And one thing we want to live, uh, give you an opportunity to do is just plug yourself. Where could our listeners find your work? Um, yeah, I mean, if they're, if you guys ever come back down uh, for a football game, we're just the fan sports network here in St. George, flagship for Utah Tech, like you said at the start. Um, Twitter's at Dev Dixon, at D-E-V-D-I-X-O-N. So you'll, you'll see me tweeting a lot about Utah Tech throughout the season. You'll see me tweeting a bunch of our high school coverage. We get out and do a lot of high school games here on the Fan Sports Network. Uh, we're an affiliate of the, uh, of the Broncos out here in the southwest corner of, of Utah. And then, of course, the Trailblazers and then a lot of our high school coverage. So uh, f- fun to be on with you guys. Thanks for the time and uh, look forward to uh, getting this season going and getting the party started. Should be a fun one on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Appreciate your time. Thanks. All right, see you guys. All right, well, thanks again to Devin for coming on the show. He really was a wealth of information, and we really appreciate 
him taking some time. It's always hard. We always do this uh, this podcast at like 9 p.m., sometimes later, Pacific time. So when people come on the show, we really appreciate them kind of taking some time out of their late night to come on. And he did a great job. And I hope everyone enjoyed that content because, you know, he, he did a better job talking about Utah Tech than we ever would. It's an excellent interview. Got a great voice for radio. Love hearing that. I love like the preseason games, not preseason, preseason games, the non-conference games. We always get to talk to these guys. Yeah. It's always so much fun. I'm glad I could find someone. It was coming down to the wire there. I was like, I was, wasn't sure I was going to be able to find somebody to talk Utah Tech, but I was glad I got connected to Devin and it was, it worked out perfectly. All right. So let's just opine on Utah Tech for just a little bit. What are your expectations for them coming in? So Utah Tech, what, they finished four and seven last year. They kind of came on strong. You heard Brent Vegan talk a little bit about how he thought the team ended the season. But then you heard Devin talk about all the guys that they lost. They lost their quarterback, their QB1, their wide receiver one, and their RB1 all to the portal, right? That's, that's kind of a big deal to me. Uh, they brought in some transfers to kind of replace all that. But I, I don't know. They're picked seventh. They, they're replacing some big-time stuff. They're not a traditional powerhouse program. You're not expecting them to be at a point where they can just like reload from a talented team, even if, you know, four and seven, not super talented necessarily, but whatever they had going, it's a hard time to reload it. So I, I expect uh, Montana state should be able to handle Utah tech relatively easy. These games are always kind of, you know, it's the first game of the season. That's when upsets happen, right? When you're the F when you're the FCS program and you're playing the FBS program, you want to catch them in the beginning of the season because they're still kind of shaking off the rust or maybe they're not quite, you know, to where they should be. And Montana State is a program that gets better as the season goes on. They, you know, Brent Reagan has proven that they're going to play their best football later in the year. So, I mean, first game, jitters, gold rush, a new program. Like, and Devin said, they got, you don't know who's starting at quarterback yet. That kind of make, could make a little bit of a difference. So there, there's some opportunity for Utah Tech, but I just don't expect that they're going to have the horses to keep up with Montana State. We beat McNeese State 40 to 17. Do you expect something similar? Yes, but it'll be like, you know, we'll score 10 points or 14 points in the fourth quarter. And it, it's going to be like, you know, I remember playing McNeese State. It just didn't feel real good until like later. And that's probably how it's going to feel. Hmm. You called it the spread and shred offense, which I thought it was pretty crafty. I hadn't heard of yeah, that. I like that. And he's like, oh, we're going to pass it up the seams. And I was like, I started cringing. I was like, oh, no. Oh no, stretching the field up the middle. That, that hasn't been a strong suit for us. That's the thing I'm looking for, right? Our defense. How are we going to respond to the pass game this year? That's a big question in my mind. Coach Vegan said it's looked better to be determined, right? Yeah, it's it's easy to feel like that the um the running defense was part of the problem last year, like the big part, but you know, passing defense was bad too. You go back, I, I recently rewatched some of the highlights from the Cal Poly game and, and they were throwing the ball around on us. Like it all, it, you know, their drives all never went anywhere, but the, you know, teams have been throwing the ball on us, especially those short patterns where they, we play a little bit soft coverage. So if they're dinking and dunking and making some guys miss, you know, they can move the ball. Tom Stuber said on Bobcat Nation that Montana State gave up like 70 plays of 20 plus yards last season. That is terrible. That's that, true. That is terrible. That seems almost impossible stat 
Are you mis- are you misquoting that? But I did I did see him quote something like that. So it's like, yeah. I mean, they're big players. I'll ask him next problem. week when you're gone. Yeah, ask him. Make <laughs> he's, sure he's, he's got that. He's going to be our guest podcaster, so I'll ask him. He should. But it, regardless, it it's it's some sort of stat about big play against Montana State, and that is true. That was her crux last year. Yep, and they're not. They weren't always necessarily like plays that were designed to be big. Like they were just handoffs that went up the gut and then they're just like ran free all of a sudden. It's like, you know, there's just Montana State did it to to themselves a little bit last year. But I do have some high expectations in the secondary. Like I have some high hopes. Uh, I think we're going to be better. I think we are in the secondary, talent-wise. We talked right. a little bit about on the defense episode. Was it talent or was it coaching? You know, hard hard to know. But looking at the the two deep, which was released today, Interesting to see, number one, Miles Jackson won the starting job opposite of Simeon Woodard. What do you think about that? I was having a tough time. I was going with John Johnson, was my gut feeling. But uh, Miles Jackson, you know, they're going to play five guys over there. They so, so they're going to play Simeon, Miles, John Johnson, Powdrill, and Devin Davis. Yeah, that's a solid group, and that's a pretty good-sized group. All right, so Miles Jackson's 5'11", and Simeon Ward's 5'10", but Devin Davis is like, what, 6'1", John Johnson's six foot, uh, and I'm missing somebody, and Paljol is only 5'10", but overall, like for big sky cornerbacks, it's it, they're they a pretty good-sized group. Let I, I me hope, pull up the two deep. I hope they give some problems just based on some length alone, and then uh, Lavelle Price Jr. and Caden Dowler, are listed as a slash on the depth chart. And Vegan did talk about how they'll be basically 50-50. I think it's going to be basically situational. I think we talked about that. I think it's kind of what you expect to see there. But yeah, Lavelle Price Jr. and Kane Dowler, I think will be two guys who can really kind of step in and fill that Ty Okada void. Coach talked highly about Lavelle Price, how he's just proud of him for sticking it out. And I think that's a nod to Lavelle right there. It's crazy he's a ju- like a senior already. I remember yeah, him as right? like a promising freshman and then he was like a promising freshman and then he's a promising freshman and then he was a senior. Like, ha- what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just skipped forward with Lavelle Price. I hope he gets to play and I hope he plays well because, yeah, he's, you got to you gotta like the guys who stick around in the program. In the, in this climate, in this college climate, he could have transferred out at any point. We stuck it out. I hope, he, I hope it, uh, it, he's rewarded for it. I hope he has a good senior season. A couple other surprises on the depth chart. Not a surprise to me because we had been hearing about this, but left tackle is Connor Moore and Rush Reimer is at left guard. Well, the coaches just have love Connor Moore, man. I think it was basically if Connor Moore is who they think he is, put him at left tackle and it allows other guys to move throughout the line. So I think they're pretty happy with how he developed and that's going to be big dividends for the Bobcat line because I think if he's the best left tackle, then watch out for the rest of that line. Jeez. Yeah. Another guy that came off the depth chart that gave me a little surprise is Jacob Trimble at the H receiver backing up Junior Alexander. That's right. Jake, Jacob's a true freshman, six, four, six, six foot, 184 out of somewhere in Texas. He's like Fort Worth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that was pretty surprising too. Like, um, I mean, I don't know exactly who else would be in that spot thinking, thinking about it right now. I mean, you could put like Aiden Garrigan in there or something if we want to go bigger. Like we, Lanyana Alexander is a bigger kid. But yeah, pretty surprised to see Jacob Trimble, a true freshman, cracking the, uh, the two deep for game one. He must have been really impressive in the, in the camp. 
Running back, we got Lane Sumner starting over Julius Davis. Sounds like there'll be a, a trio of Bobcats behind yeah. them with uh, Scott Tree Humphrey. He was the first guy out of Vegan's mouth, and then Elijah Elliott and Jared White. Uh, I'd be good. I'm excited to see all those guys really is and this, uh, see is, Jared come back from his injury last year. I want to see how he yeah. looks. Is this going to be another season of where we just wonder? Why isn't Elijah Elliott playing? <laughs> that that was like the entire oh, season last year. Like, yeah, every time he got the ball, he looks good. It's like it, it's like the coaches see something different than you and I see in this scenario because Elliott kills it every time he gets the ball. So, like, what's what's the problem? He's the most consistent. He's the most healthy. He's the most durable. Is he does he have like an attitude problem? Is he not good at pass protection? Is there something that we don't you know we don't ha- have quite that football IQ? Like, what is he doing? That's just not good i don't know it just seems like he should be getting lots of carries i understand they love lane sumner and i love lane on sumner too and i'm okay with that and uh, julius davis probably earned his spot too but it's just crazy to see elliot being like the third or fourth option are we just that good or is he just like doomed to be in the doghouse of sorts i don't know i don't know if he's in the doghouse i thought his maturity came around last year i just think i don't know maybe Sumner and Davis are just just better. I mean, it just when it comes flat down to it, they might just be better. So, well, we know we'll Elliot's a good running back. So if they're better, <laughs> yeah. the Bobcats have the best running back room in the country. That's for sure, no doubt. Let's see. Let's go down to some specialists. This is interesting to me. So our new punter slash kicker Brendan Hall took punts and kickoff and placement. So he beat out Casey Cotsman for um, place kicking duties. We we knew he was going to be the punter and the kickoff specialist. That comes on the heels of Vegan saying Casey has taken his game up and above from where he was at last year. This is can only be good for Montana State. I haven't seen uh, Brendan kick, so I'm excited to see that on Saturday. I'm excited. <laughs> Why am I excited to watch a punter? What is what has happened? And it's like, an, I don't know. You probably just, won't see him. Hopefully we won't see him on as, as punting on Saturday. Yeah, there was the, uh, I made the jokes on Twitter last year, like Bryce Layton went like, what, three games without punting the ball once, two or three games or two and a half games, <laughs> didn't punt at all because we just didn't punt. Although it'd be very Montana-esque if we would go three and out first series. Well, yeah, might as well give the crowd what they want, see the punter, right? That's what everyone's here to see. That's what Gold Rush is about. Let's check out the new punter. Let's see if it really does take longer oh, to drop the ball. I think it was like uh, when you and I went to Gold Rush a couple years ago, the first couple of series, it was like three and out, three and out, three and out. We're like, ah, oh, this is terrible. And then it was just like we woke up and started pounding. All right. Any other guys on the 2D if you want to mention? No, no. I mean, we talked, we covered this pretty well in the in the preseason episodes that we did. We just didn't cover some of the guys here that are on the two deep. So that was just kind of the interesting things to talk about there. But other than that, I think we kind of much, uh, excuse me, pretty much covered all of it. All right. Well, I think we could go on to Golden Cooley questions. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Utah Tech, I guess, before we wrap that conversation up? I expect it to be a fun night. I love Gold Rush. It is probably my favorite game outside of Cat Grizz. 
just so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's it's even better to be there. It is a showcase night for Montana State. It's a showcase night for the state of Montana. If you can be around that atmosphere, it's just something else. And the everybody knows it. It just keeps getting better every year. Can't wait, man. Does that kick off at 6 p.m. Montana? Mm-hmm. That's going to be like 3 or 4, 2 in the morning or something for me over there in... Uh, I'll be in Saturday or Sunday. That'll be Sunday. Yeah, I'll be in like uh, Munich. <laughs> so maybe, maybe if I happen to like roll awake before everyone's up, I'll maybe I'll peep the game a little bit. How could you not? You're not <laughs> going to go to bed. You're going to be you're going to be thinking about the cats too much. You're going to be like, man, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's going to be bugging you. It's going to be restless sleep. You'll get up. You'll watch it. I'll, I'll be jet lagged as hell though. So yeah. it'll be weird. Who knows what my body will be thinking <laughs> at that point. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's take a look at some Golden Cooley questions. All right. And this is my fault because I put them up late. So let's see what we have. Bleeding Blue. Man, that guy is solid. Always coming through. One answer for each side of the ball. What's most important for you to see Saturday night? Okay. Offense, uh, a, prof- a prolific running game. I know that's probably going to be the answer. Not people are going to say, I just want to make sure the magic is still there. I want to make sure we can still run the ball like we think we can run the ball. There's no reason to think that we can't, but for some reason, that's just like, oh, I want to make sure. I'll make sure this, the car still tr- you know, turns on. It's, okay. it's been in the garage. Make sure it fires up, you know? <laughs> That's a good, great analogy. I'm going with the passing game. I yeah. want to see, you know, more dynamic passing game, different routes, different route trees, responsibilities in the passing game, better vision from our quarterbacks, more patience, better run blocking. That'd be my offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be the most, the biggest answer people have, but uh, I just don't think it's most important to me. And I, I want to see the development to the passing game, but game one, I don't know if if the, if we to come out and we throw the ball for seventy five yards and we go like four for eleven, I'm not gonna freak out. Over under fifteen passes, passing attempts. Attempts? Ooh, that's a good over and under. Uh, under, probably under. Well, no, I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say over. If Jeff Choate was our coach, over under ten passing attempts. <laughs> under. <laughs> <laughs> we just run the the ball the whole time. <laughs> yes, we would. Forty straight times, get out of there in time for dinner. It is the strength of our offense, and it will continue to be the strength of our offense. Running the ball, Montana State synonymous defense. What do you want to see? The ability to set the edge. Yeah, good one. I want to see better man to man coverage. It doesn't sound like Montana State's going to play a lot of zone. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, every time I listen to anybody talk about our coverage, who, who is a coach, it's talking about man coverage. And so we're going to play one-on-one, cover zero. Sounds like a lot. Uh, I'll look to see what kind of zone concepts we're playing. But, you know, the, the stuff over the middle, the the seams that really got us last year. I want I want to see that short up a little bit as well. I just want to see some interceptions. I don't know, maybe just tighter all all around. Mm. 
That's, that seems like more than one answer. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> floundering and giving a bad answer. I just, I just want it to look better. I want it to feel more ferocious. I want the pass rush to get home and feel. I want that guy to be nervous back there. I like it. I like that. I forget what we uh what are um somebody asked us how many sacks we think we'll get. Was it over thirty or was it forty? I can't remember. But if you want to hit that number, you gotta get like three on Saturday, three or four. Start it off hot. Let's do it. Hey, do you have a bold prediction? Woo. Gotta bring that back. Make sure we're doing that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one in a while. No. Yep. Don't put that one on the docket. Bold prediction. Our first score will be a pass play that goes over 50 yards. That's a good one. It's a good one. Now, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Now, Tom Stuber, if you're listening, you got to write down a bold prediction too because I'm going to ask you about that. That could be a, a screen pass that the guy takes 50 yards, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. All doesn't right. have to be 50 yards in the air or anywhere near that. No, it's, okay. the, first, it's the first first score. And I'm giving the, the qualifier. It has to be over 50 yards. Okay. I My bold prediction is a quarterback catches a pass. Yeah. I don't think so. Dude. You don't think so? No, they're not going to pull that one out first game. They'll keep that one in the bag. No. No, what they do is they pull it out in the first game and then never do it again. <laughs> but then they do it like, you know, in the quarterfinals or something. Yeah. So it's it's on film and everyone's like, are they going to do it? And then no, nah, we just did that once. But then it comes back later. All right. <laughs> Okay, so you said quarterback catches pass. Yeah. JT Reed catches a pass from Derek Snell. (laughs) Or I say JT Reed. I I get confused on the reads. I haven't seen enough of the quarterback. (laughs) What what is it? JR Reed. Yeah, it's not JT. He's the the, uh, right guard. It'd be impressive (laughs) if he caught a pass. And also highly illegal. Yeah, you have to report as eligible. <laughs> I'm eligible. Yeah, it had to be a check. tackle, and then you'd have to be eligible at tackle. Check, check. <laughs> oh, man. We had some crazy things happen. Who was that huge uh, Jason Scrimpos? He caught a touchdown pass. Yeah, he did. From Troy Anderson, right? <laughs> <laughs> the huge D-line transfer from UW. It was like 300 it was pounds. Tim Tebow play. It was. It was... <laughs> Or was it Afonso who threw it? Uh, it was one of the two. It was either Troy or Afonso. But it was... I yeah, mean, you're right. It could have been Afonso. But it was a big floater, ugly pass. It was like way higher than it needed to be. <laughs> I remember I remember it. Uh, okay. Well, that, that was fun, man. It's a gold rush. I'm super excited to actually get talking some football. I'm really bummed I can't watch the game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill me. You're right. I probably will. Have some sort of like body alarm where I just like wake up. Like, why am I awake? I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'll like turn my phone on. It's going to kill you me. better, man. I mean, you're going to have to come back. We're going to have to talk about this stuff. I know you're going to watch it on the replay, but uh, I'm, I'm going to want to know. 
I want a good story about you hiding from Val in some weird, <laughs> like, you know, spot in Ireland where you're trying not to wake her and you're, you're huddled with your phone. Yes. You know, I, I, I need that story. Yeah, for Can the text for the for the next game, which is a daytime game, maybe I'll be like, "Oh yeah, honey, I'm gonna go check out this uh, castle. I'm gonna look over there, just like go hide behind the castle ruins and watch football." I don't know. Can <laughs> we text? Uh probably not. I was not anticipating on play- paying for the international option. My wife has better cell coverage, so we're gonna go through that. So when I when I'm in Wi-Fi range, we can. Other than that, I'll probably be you. silent. I'm gonna mute don't you just so you don't don't spoil anything for me. Don't ignore me. No, I might. I might ignore you. It's my 10 year anniversary, man. <laughs> I'll ignore. I'm totally gonna I ruin want this to for you. <laughs> <laughs> I will find a way. I will call ahead to the hotel you're at and tell them that there's a message waiting for you. <laughs> Ryan Thorberg, you have a message. We just scored. <laughs> Touchdown, Bobcats. Uh, I like it. That'd be a good All message. Right. That'd be a good message. That would be a good, great yeah, message. That would be okay. Go Cats. <laughs> Go Cats. All right. Oh, man. We were all over tonight. We are. Right. It's about an hour 20 by the time we put that interview back in. but And we didn't even have a game to recap, so we better be able to tighten this up. Because <laughs> this isn't. An hour and 20 minutes on Utah Tech is probably a little overkill. Are you sure it's an hour and 20 minutes? I think we haven't stopped recording. I think this has been going since Oh, we... yeah, you're right. I'm thinking that I have to add time to this. Usually, a lot of times, we'll restart the recording time. So, no, you're right. It's about it's a little over an hour. That's more. No. That's, that's better. That's better. Thank you for bringing me, bringing me back down. Okay. Well, I guess let's get out of here, right? Yeah, man. Let's do it. We have a Golden Cooley winner because there was one Golden Cooley question, but I, I'm pretty sure Bleeding Blue has some goodies already. If not, if not, reach out to us or, you know, we'll send you another one, whatever. If you want, give one away to your friend. Have two so you can have the Irish handcuffs or you have a beer in each hand. You know, do whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> um, what? You never heard that? No. Uh, it's funny. I'm going there now. I probably won't say that over there. Uh, Thanks again to Wilbur Ellis and Shay Richter for being the sponsor of the Golden Cooley segment. Thanks, everyone, to... Every time. Every time. Thanks, everyone, for listening <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, you can find us on X. <laughs> I hate saying find us on X. That sounds so stupid. Thanks, Elon. Uh, find us on Twitter. Our, our cat cast you can find us on bobcat nation you can email us at our, our catcast.com fully let's just get out of here man with the happy gold rush happy game week go cats go cats <laughs> go cats <laughs>